We are live, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another segment of the Cash Geeks Network. I'm G. Guys, and I'm Dom. And this is the, the Cash, Cash Geeks, Geeks Network. Network. You guys know we always bring the heat. We bring the fire with real real estate investors. Um, today, and some not so real. And real some not investors. so real real estate investors. But we'll let you guys call them out, not us. Um, today, we have someone local in our market. And I've known Pat now for like five, six years now. And we kind of got started around the same time and we're all doing some big and badass things. So we have Pat Flynn from Yellowbird, one of the biggest investors here in Jacksonville, Florida. And it's an honor to have you, man. Thank you for being here. Glad to be here, man. It's fun every time to yes. come to your office and see the growth and everything. Happy to be here. So uh, what have you been up to, man? Big shift, right? And we were talking on before this uh, that you guys have kind of seen it too. Um, you know, we had we had very very similar businesses. I would say six months ago, um, slightly different as we were we were buying stuff, closing on it, selling a lot to institutional buyers. Um, you guys have probably seen something similar in that our primary buyer that offers probably dropped twenty five percent within a one week time period. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it, it changes the way you operate. And uh, like I said, we were talking about this beforehand. We, we're not having the flow or the deal flow that we had before, but it allows us to dig deeper into the operation, dig deeper into the people. And we're actually in a really great spot right now where we're trying to get liquid for any opportunities to come. Uh, we're keeping the salespeople busy making money and really digging into the operation and making sure we're efficient. So um, it's been a it's been a really good couple months of being able to do that, set new goals, set new rocks, shift your business model a little bit. And uh, that's that's really what we've been up to. We've been in a good spot lately. That's actually yeah. pretty interesting that you said that. It's really tough in tough times for people to be able to look at that in a really good light. So if you can you expand on that a little bit because in a way, it sounds like you're saying it's a blessing. It's forcing you to dig into your operation, tweak it, adjust it, make it more efficient so that you guys can still perform well and come out of this bigger than we went into it. I mean, you nailed it right there. Is our, our whole mindset is we're going to come out of this stronger. Um, six months ago, when us and you guys were just blowing and going, you know, the wheels were the wheels were wobbling a little bit, right? We were rolling. We were spending at that point, we were spending 250, 300 grand in marketing each month. We were looking at numbers and we were looking at conversion rates, but it didn't really it didn't matter, matter because it didn't matter. You're fucking any house you buy, <clears throat> it's going to be worth more six months from now. And you have 20 different buyers lining up to buy it. Yeah. So because of that, it allowed us to get sloppy on accountability. It allowed us to get sloppy with our spending. Um, I consider us a really, really good operators, really good with accountability and rocks and stuff. That stuff was able to get a little sloppy because we were just having so much success and the market was absolutely crazy. And I think we did all the right things and took advantage of it. But in my gut, I knew it was wrong and we knew the music would stop at some point. Um, and we ended up getting stuck with some stuff, but we knew we would. And it's a time period where we're doing a lot less deals, but we're shifting our model to a model that's not, you know, the difference between us and you guys is we're, we're balance sheeting a lot of property. So yep, at any yep, time yep. we hold a pretty large balance sheet, it's a lot of risk. We're shifting our model to lessen that balance sheet 
and shifting into kind of the more retail space that doesn't require as much capital um, and requires stuff we're good at, which is sales accountability and stuff. And we're also looking at just other parts of the operation, transaction coordinating. We're taking a look at accounting and we're looking at expenses each month. Yep. And it's Dude, just, it feels really good to go through that stuff line item by line and be like, well, we're spending that on that. Like, that's crazy. So I just know that next time we do have some sort of market burn, we come out of this, we're going to be much more disciplined yeah. and our systems and processes will be better and our business model will be, be better. So I look at it in a very positive light. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, man, because I, I agree with you. It's forcing you to do things that you, we didn't do like, fucking looking at the expenses <laughs> and like seeing like, Oh crap, we spent that much on this. Right. And you're just like, you're not doing that because everything is just, it doesn't matter. You're, you're getting the sales. You're like, Holy crap. Well, you're making, nothing, which right? is the right thing yeah. to do. Yeah. You're, we're making 70 grand on that deal. Holy crap. Like what the hell? Hell yeah. We got 70 K cool. This doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. <laughs> this doesn't matter right. Um, and then I think, I think the biggest shock was that it just happened so quick. Yeah. At least for us, right? Maybe probably for you guys too, but it's just like, dude, we changed our buy box three times in one day. We like changed it in the morning from the in day one before. Week, right? Yeah. Uh, it, fe it felt like it was a day, yeah. But, but, yeah, but yeah, but it could have been a week. But yeah, dude, we were just like changed the buy box in the morning and then like we get feedback during the day and then like after lunch, we're like, all right, guys, we got to change the buy box again. <laughs> And then like next morning, it's like, all right, we got to change this shit again. Um, so it did, it did happen drastic. So, so what would you say as somebody who is thinking optimistic throughout all of what's going on right now, what are like your biggest focuses right now? Our biggest focus is our getting liquid. Right. Okay. We had we had a very aggressive balance sheet before it's it's getting liquid, getting that balance sheet around to a place where we're comfortable, um, changing our buy box for stuff that we're closing on to better quality stuff. So the hedge fund nut stuff of the 1980s and newer, um, if you're buying that at good numbers, um, you know, in Jacksonville, in the United States of America, you're buying houses at good numbers that are newer and in good shape. I don't think you're going to go wrong there. Um, so looking at it as a positive in that it's giving us also time to think more about the future and think more about the business model we're doing. Like we, us and you guys have very different business models, right? There's a different risk profile, a different risk to what you're doing. And um, the one thing I kind of wanted to, you know, I know it's your guys show, but I wanted to talk to you about on this is we're going to talk about it. Connect again on Thursday is like, if you're looking to scale, which you guys are scaling as well, to scale in your business model that's taking less balance sheet risk, you can do that, right? You can hire more people. You can throw more gas in the fire. If in our model of flipping, which is closing on stuff, balancing it, renovating it, and then selling it, it's very hard to scale that in, into another market, to, to deal with utilities turning on and off, to deal with local permitting issues. It's just brutal. So if anything... Yeah. It made it, I, I knew the scaling of a flipping business was really difficult. That's why no one's really done it successfully. But this market turn has given me even more clarity on the fact that it's not really what I want to do. I don't want right. to scale a flipping business because I don't think, I think we're good at scale and we're good at operations. And I think we have phenomenal people. 
I think flipping is the wrong business to do it in. Mm -hmm. um, so the positive that came from it is uh, we were blowing and going six months ago. Now we have more time to sit and think. Yeah. Like, okay. What the fuck are we doing? What does this look like in three years? What does it look like in five years where yeah. six months ago, we didn't have time to do that, right? We're putting portfolios together, selling them, dealing with pricing, like the, the, our poor agents. I mean, they, they made great money, but they were nonstop, seven days a week, driving everywhere. So this has given us more time to sit and think about really our business model, our operation. What are we doing? What's this look like, look like long-term? Yeah. If we are going to come out of this stronger, what do we look like? Are we a retail operation? Are we still flipping? How big is the balance sheet? What sort of volume are we doing? What's it look like? You know, it's questions that you don't have time to think about when you're really in the thick of it. And yeah. You're spending a bunch of money. So that would be my two positives from it is mm. taking a good look at your operation and starting to have time to think more long term about what you're doing and what scaling means in your business. Yeah. Now, if I could just jump in really quick on that, I think um, one thing that I heard loud and clear is <clears throat> I don't want to scale a flipping business, mm -hmm. which is news to me. I don't know if it's news to you, but to hear Pat Flynn from Yellowbird saying I don't want to scale a flipping business is really eye opening. And I'm sure everyone wants to know what do you want to scale? And that's You know, we have a <laughs> lot of one. Another awesome shift that's come from this is uh Kyle and Steve, my two business partners, we've we've taken a lot of offsite stuff to talk mm -hmm. not only about business, but about life and what the fuck is it we're really trying to do here. And not only me, Kyle and Steve, but our leadership team. You guys had Gabe on the podcast a yep. little while ago, like having more conversations with Gabe, Sarah, Liana um, about the future and what that looks like for them and what that what that looks what it looks like within us as an organization or on their own. Sure. Um, so. I think that's been that's been really positive. But the, the flipping operation thing is like to for us to go into Orlando and create like a construction, you, you know, Jeff and go yep. does all of our construction to recreate what Jeff has in Orlando. Like that sounds so incredibly painful. I don't <laughs> even want to think about it. And It'll like you 10 years. Absolutely. At least. And like, it's just so cyclical, right? Like we built, we scaled an awesome operation when things were good in a great market and we have such good people and such good leaders and such a good operation. But then the wind blows from <clears throat> north to south and yep. switches directions and the market change. And now we have a great mm -hmm. operation and we don't really want to buy flips anymore because yeah. it doesn't really make sense to buy flips anymore right? and right. put them on the balance sheet. So now you get this whole operation that's set up to scale in that way in Jacksonville and you set up a great company with a, you know, a handbook and getting 401ks and health insurance and stuff, but it's a flipping business. Flipping is cyclical. It doesn't always make sense to buy, uh, buy a house, renovate it and sell it. You can't always buy them right. Or mm. you don't know what's going to happen in three months when you're done. So your question of what is the right business? We don't have that answer yet. Um, I love the retail. The retail space for now has been a good transition for us yeah. mm, to uh, keep the keep the uh, salespeople busy and and help them learn. Like, okay, they, they're so good at buying cash deals, but now they're having to learn to work with buyers. And uh, you know, we're shifting to different models of working with hedge funds and just taking commissions. So we're trying all that, and the less volume has given us more time to do the offsites and actually think about the future and. A lot of our talks revolve around, let's get this up and running. Let's get the salespeople back making money. Let's trim the fat in the organization and figure out what is next. And right. it's actually 
really, really exciting to have those conversations and uh, um, have those talks with your partners about what is it you guys are trying to, like, what, what is important to you? And yeah. it ends up being talks about family and yeah. time and debt. Are you comfortable signing debt? Are you comfortable personally guaranteeing debt? Like, do you right. want to raise equity? Like conversations <laughs> that we would have never had six months ago. Mm, so really healthy yeah. stuff. Um, that's going to move us to what's next. Let me, let me ask you this. Do you feel like that's because of what's going on or do you feel like that's just the natural evolution of a business? It's, it's part of it's a natural ev evolution, but what's going on has, has definitely, uh, you know, advanced made it, it advanced yeah. it, made it go yeah. a lot faster because, <clears throat> you know, like I said, six months ago we were rolling. No right. one cared about anything. We weren't yeah. really talking about the Fuck future. We were just, we got deals to close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, as far as like changing up the model is like, why you change, why would you right. fuck with it? Everything's working great. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. you spend 300 grand in marketing, spend 500. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, and uh, you don't have time to have those conversations. So we knew it would end. Um, but yes, it is the natural evolution. Because if you're doing a flipping operation and you're buying and selling houses, like, yeah, there's a limit. Like, you, you, right. you know, we, we dabbled yeah. a little in Orlando, but our plan wasn't to really close on stuff and flip it down there. It was to wholesale and sell some yeah. stuff to funds. Um, so you don't have a ceiling, like, yeah. or you have a ceiling, right? So if we're, if, if I'm looking 10 years out and me, Kyle and Steve are still doing the same things in Jacksonville, like if you're not growing, you're dying. And at some point we're going to stop growing yeah. if that's all we're doing. Yeah. So yeah, it is, it is natural evolution, but it's forced us to have those conversations yeah. now. I agree. I feel like we're, we've kind of gone through that recently as well is just, uh, having the talks of like, I, I feel like when, when, you know, shit's hitting the fan you're just like okay why are we really doing this <laughs> it's like all right what's going on it feels all good when you're just like pumping deals after deals after deals everything is fine yeah. and then out of nowhere it's not fine so now we have to really put energy into figuring shit out it's like do i really want to figure this out yeah is there something bigger that we should be figuring out right like we're smart people should we be figuring this shit out or mm -hmm. should we be thinking about the five-year business plan the 10-year yep. business plan and it's like should that be more of our focus is you know thinking about something in 10 years from now and shit maybe flipping isn't sexy in the next three years so it's like should we be focused on that um well let me ask you this and like <laughs> tell me if i'm completely off on this but like we did we did really good volume flipping houses in jacksonville last year right and we're in we're in some mastermind groups as i know you guys are with other guys that flip houses and stuff but we don't really have a lot to go off to get to that next level where i see you guys as it's a different business model and i look at you guys as like a lesser or, or a younger version of like a new western right where it's like you you can look up and you can be like look at what new western is doing volume wise in different cities wholesaling like we can do that we can compete with them you you have that as your as as your possible future if you want to solve those problems and go down that road yeah with us it's different in the flipping correct taking title doing construction yeah. which yeah. i know jeff handles a lot of it but it's brutal on jeff too yeah. i mean a yeah. lot of these jobs like jeff, we're throwing them all sorts of shit and he's having to deal with these brutal houses and renovating them and turning utilities on and repair requests and all yeah. that bullshit, like there's a ceiling there where you guys, you have that net, you see that next level out there. 
that you can get to if it's worth it to you. Right. Do you look at it like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like one, one of the biggest things for us is what industry are we in and who are the big boys in our industry? Right. And seeing, can we be those guys? Right. Because a lot of the thing about wholesaling is wholesaling is new to a big company, right? Like there's a lot of, I can, I can probably travel the country and meet a lot of big flippers, right? Because flipping has been around. It was the thing, right? And there was a lot of people early to that, right before the crash or whatever, they were all flipping and then the crash happened. And then from after the crash, a bunch of, there's a bunch of big flippers. There's not a lot of big wholesalers, right? I can't go and I can travel the country and meet realtor teams that have 200 agents. And there's probably a shit ton of them all over the country. And, but there's not a lot of wholesale operations that have 200 agents or not agents, but 200 sales rep. New Western is one of them. Yep. What's the next one? I no fucking I got clear. nothing. Correct. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so a Ke- Keegley. Well, Keegley's they're they sell franchises, right? Like, yeah, so it's like, like a, a home vest. They're similar to home vesters. I think so. I think, but they have know. a different business model because their whole thing is like, why market to sellers when you can just go straight to the wholesaler who already has the seller and like shit like that. Yeah, they that. market to realtors uh, and wholesalers. Yeah, they market to sh- They sell franchises though, right? Yeah, yeah, but their franchise is to do that model. Okay. To teach people yeah. to do that. Yeah, so it's like, don't go direct to seller. Just don't fucking cold call direct mail. Realtors are already and doing then, that. Yeah. So just target realtors and yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. solve their problems. Um, but as far as like the business model goes, it's, we don't know if we want to be new Western, mm-hmm. right? We don't know if we want to go down. It's that a good path. conversation. So it's really, great, yeah, it's right? really healthy to think of like, what is like the 10 year vision of cash geeks. And, and, um, you know, we were just talking earlier with, uh, Hayden, right. Hayden runs a lot of our JVs and shit. And it's like, Hey, if we really want to take mm-hmm. off. We have to go into other markets in the JV model, right? Because I can go speak at an event. Like I was just speaking at an event in Seattle uh, last week and I can go speak at that event. But if we're focusing on Jacksonville, I can't really be effective to that group because maybe there's one, two, three people in Florida and hopefully they get a deal in Jacksonville and then I can buy from them. Right. But unless my model offers a different thing, then we're only effective as to Jacksonville. Right. And so that's where the hedge funds and the, you know, the nationwide hedge fund approach kind of came from us was made it easy to expand because we have the same buyer that we're selling shit to in Jacksonville. We can sell stuff in Orlando. We can sell stuff in Georgia. We can sell stuff in a lot of States. So let's go hunt that. That also gives us the ability to shop other wholesalers deals to our hedge fund connections. But then now it's, that's all that shit's crazy, (laughs) right? So it's like, cool. All these wholesalers that we were helping sell stuff to hedge funds, it's not there anymore. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I can't help you out in Memphis because I don't have a cash buyers list in Memphis. Just if you yep. get a hedge fund shit, I hope I can sell it for mm-hmm. you. If not, I can't, I'm not really effective. And so that's where new Western has that great model. It's like, Hey, we just build a buyer's list and we can just shop all your deals. Yep. Right. And then you look at companies like property force, right? Cause that's another big company. Yep. Um, so those are like the people that we have on the horizons. And it's like always asking ourselves the questions like, who do we want to be like? What do we want to be like? Do we want to be like them? Or do we just want to fucking be like JWB 
right? Like JWB has never left Jacksonville. They did 180 mil in revenue last yeah. year. It's like, holy shit, what are they doing? Like, and then do we want to be like Yellowbird, right? Do we want yep. to just own a bunch of houses and build up some, uh, I, I look at like the deals that we've done and the deals that you've done this year. And it's just like, you guys are operating like mainly in Jacksonville and you guys are buying shit ton of houses. And then we've done, I don't know, 200 and something deals this year, 240 uh, deals, close to 250, yeah. 250. And we're all over a shit ton of markets. It's like, how are these guys fucking buying 300 and something deals, right? And are in this market. And is it easier to just do that instead mm -hmm. of like trying to go nationwide? I don't fucking know. Right. So it's just constantly. One comment I'd have on that is like kind of my closing statement when I'm speaking at Connect on Thursday. And I, I learned the lesson the hard way a few years ago where it's like you have to be true to yourself. Right. Yeah. You have to make you have to make damn certain that what you're doing are your own goals and you're not copying someone else's getting caught up in the mix. Right. We're, right. we're in that a similar men's group called GoBundance. Yeah. And uh, like one, one negative I would say about that group is there's a lot of like, I want to be like this guy. So I'm going to syndicate and I'm, or I want to be like this guy. So I'm going to do this. And it's like, yeah, like, you know, you, that will work for a short period of time, but eventually you're burn you're going to burn out. If you're not doing something day to day that is true to who you are, yep. then it, you're going to burn out. Like you may think you want to scale, scale a business or, or syndicate multifamily or become cash keys one day, because look at it, it's, it's sexy and they're doing this and they have this podcast, <clears> but <throat> is that truly who you are? Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of the conversations we're having. I give an example is like three years ago when we three or four years ago, we went on that big social media push. Remember oh, yeah. you got we had our podcast, we had like dude. video people, we had everything. Yeah. And at one point I just burnt the fuck out of it because it's like, dude, I'm not the guy yeah. that's gonna get on here and do a bunch of social media media videos and talk about real estate because I I physically like I it doesn't it doesn't yeah. excite me and I yeah. get nothing out of it. Um so so we stopped it and now like we redid my podcast of like me and I just talked for like seven or eight minutes about the business or what I'm yeah. thinking that week. And it's good. Like it invigorates me and it fires me up. So that's another thing we're thinking about. And another thing like, you know, for anyone listening that's trying to scale their own thing is like, don't make sure the goals that you're setting and the things you're doing are true to yourself. Make sure they're not somebody else's goals. Yeah. And like one more example is like, it's, a, you know, comparison is the thief of joy, right? So I sit here and we had a great year last year and we did like, we did like 418 houses last year and I'm sitting there and we had a great year. And then someone tells me about someone that just did a development deal. It's like, oh, he just did a development deal in West side of Jacksonville that made like $20 million. And that makes me feel shitty. But why would that make me feel mm. shitty? Right? That was never my fucking goal. Yeah. My goal was never to do a do a, a development deal on the West side of Jacksonville. So why am I like having that negative emotion yeah. internally? Like I hit my goal. I wanted to do 30 houses a month, right. direct to seller and we fucking nailed it. But I hear about this deal and it like, it sucks the wind out of me. And that's what I'm working on with myself too, is like, be true to yourself and do yeah. your own fucking goals. Like right. uh, make sure you're not like comparing yourself to others when you know, and none of it actually fucking matters. It's That's true. pretty tough because there's so much noise out there. So much noise. There's so much noise and people being put on a pedestal and maybe more than 50% of it is not accurate. Yep. Also, and it's hard yeah. to turn to determine the real from the fake. 
Um, yeah. And you just got to focus on you being a better version of yourself. What yep. do they say? 1% better every day. Yeah. We should try yeah. to get 1% better every day or <clears throat> try to beat ourselves and our own goals and stay on our own path. Yeah, I feel doesn't like mean we don't need to strive for leaps. Right. And I think, I think <clears throat> that's the way to do it is like in groups like abundance or groups like that other, uh, the boardroom group you're in great yep. groups to look at other people are doing and like take it internally and be like, what of these nuggets is, is true to me yeah. that I can take from this and implement in my life. That'll make my life better. Yeah. You, it's a very empty path to try to go down someone else's road just because, you know, you think that's the thing to do. Right. Yeah. And you know like if funny? you found out about a, an investment that Warren Buffett did where he took $5 billion, invested into something, took out 5.5 billion, would that make you feel shitty? Probably not. Right. It's true. So, yeah. Okay. You were saying. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like we're uh, we're always trying to at least a perception of me. Right. Is like I'm always trying to be the bigger fish. Right. Even if it doesn't mean I'm really the bigger fish, as long as I can be perceived as a bigger fish, then my job is done. Right. And you have to catch yourself on that. I have to catch myself all the time on that. It's like, I always ask myself like, okay, they're a bigger fish. Are they really a bigger fish? Mm -hmm. Or are they just appearing like a bigger fish? Because I can appear like a big ass motherfucking <laughs> fish and not really, you know, like you just have to catch yourself. Right. And just like, all right, so this guy's on fucking social media doing this and saying this and it's like, yeah, they have a ton of this. And, but are they really fucking, what does their bank account really look like? Right. Right. And then at the same time, you ask yourself, like, what does it matter what the fuck their bank account looks like? Because they have fucking X amount of people willing to throw X amount and they don't care about what the bank account looks like. So you have to constantly catch yourself and you ask yourself, it. like, what really matters to you? Mm -hmm. And then. <clears throat> you yeah, have but to, they have four reels a day. That's true. It's true. <laughs> but then you have to ask yourself, like. Is this also a challenge? Is it is it also because I'm running into a challenge in the market and a challenge into my business that I'm like trying to reevaluate who right. I am versus am I questioning versus things? having the grit to do because, the goal that you originally correct. set out? Am I yeah. questioning who I am and what my path is because it's getting tougher? And is it like fuck that? It's getting tougher and that's okay. And it's just like this is who I am and I'm gonna push through it. Or Am I just attaching myself to this? Is it okay for me to let go of this and have a new identity? Because we attach ourselves to our identities, right? It's like, hey, everybody knows me as the wholesaler in Jacksonville, right? Like that's Cash Geeks. That's who G is, whatever. If my identity changed, who am I, right? Like if I walk into a room and I no longer have Cash Geeks, what the fuck am I? Am I still G or, is, or am I not G? Right. Am I a new G? And it's like, what does that mean? Does that make me really happy? Or is it I want this to be happy? And you're just constantly always mm -hmm. evaluating yourself, your business, your business partners all the time. And then you got to get to work all day. Right. You got to work all day, actually do deals, pay the bills, because I know, you know, it's that's not even about you. It's about your fucking people. Right. And your company. It's like, how do I pay their bills constantly all the time? Are they happy? Are they not? I need to change my business model, not just for me, but for my people, right? I need to pay them well, and they were used to making X. So you're just constantly in this second guessing yourself. Am I making the right moves? Am I not? I got to work. So I have to 
do deals regardless of how I'm feeling internally or not. I got to do deals. I got to pay the bills. And then it's, am I reacting to a shock in the market? At least for me, right? It's just like shock in the market. We reevaluate what we do. Is it just because there's a shock in the market or is it because we really should have reevaluated what we've been doing? Right. It's like, Hey, six months ago, everything was great. We didn't <laughs> care about this, this, and this, and this, or 10 years. It's like, is that because shit was great and business was easy or is it because that was the wrong model to begin with? And you just never know. I, I feel like you'll never fucking know. You had a couple of really good points there because you're right. Like, it, are you just going to quit when things get tough and switch and decide you want to go uh, run a taco food truck one there one. And that's your real passion just because wholesaling got hard. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one point you made that I think is really good. And what I, what I would tell you about the decisions that we've been able to make is at least me personally, I know for a fact that scaling the flipping model, buying a house, taking title is, is not right. Right. Uh, as, as far as scale goes and yeah. it's not right for me and my focus, we'll always flip houses in Jacksonville. We'll always carry a eight to $12 million balance sheet. We'll always do 10 to 15 deals a month probably forever. But to scale that, I know for a fact now is not right. So knowing that I have closure there and thinking about the next thing allows yeah. me to think about it. One thing that Kyle better. talked to me about, and it really fucked with me, dude, <laughs> really hard, is just the barrier to entry, right? Or barrier of entry into flipping houses. And he's just like, bro, think of who we're competing against. What is the barrier of entry of flipping houses, right? It's just like, you're smarter than that. We're all fucking smarter than that, right? Like, what is the barrier of entry to just scaling a flipping business? Mm -hmm. Anybody can fucking do it. So that really fucked with me because I was <laughs> like, well, shit, I'm just doing what anybody can just do. If you really think about it, if you think about it, Cash Geeks is where it's at because it's like we got into something with a low barrier of entry. And we're talented dudes. So obviously Cash Geeks is going to be where it's at. It should be higher. But it's like, what is the harder barrier of entry, right? Barrier and of entry is a good, is a good thing to think about. <laughs> Revenue model is a good thing to think about when you're, when you're designing what you're trying to do in a business. But to counter that, yeah. I was talking to uh, Mike, Mike McKay, who you know, yep. really smart We had him on the show two weeks ago. Yep. Yeah, sharp ago. motherfucker. I like yeah. getting insights from him. And I was, you know, I was kind of talking about that. And we were talking about barrier to entry in the business. And he's like, you know, I was listening. I was listening. I forgot what he said. A podcast or he saw it like it was a Harvard Business School commencement address yeah. or something like that. You know what I'm going to say? No. And he was and he was like, you know, all of you, all of you guys are graduating with your MBAs from Harvard are going into the top industries in america with the smartest people investment banking hedge funds this and that like what would happen if you took that business mind and you went into something like wholesaling or flipping houses right and then who are you competing against there so you have mm. this top business mind that's now in a business that doesn't have that high level competition anymore so it's just another way yeah to look at it's it it's funny you saying that because as of <clears throat> late one thing i've noticed a couple times this year are people that get into this line of business that do really well are engineers or people with degrees or whatever that came and wanted a change or wanted yep. something new or different 
and they love real estate and they wanted to get into flipping houses. And then they've built this mini team around it and they're just crushing it and mm -hmm. they're happy. Yeah. 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 So that's a really good point. I saw that. Um, <clears throat> Jacob Bluestein, I think, was yeah. like an engineer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Jacob's good. Dude. He was on the show last week. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. He's a good dude, sharp, yeah. smart, um, had a great story. You know, yeah. took him a couple of years to come around. Um, I think he figured out you had to be in the right market. He was in uh, like New York, New Jersey area. Really tough, high competition. Mm -hmm. um, the same marketing efforts that work here weren't working up there. Right. He did his research. He tried Cleveland, Ohio. Do you remember that? Um, and he realized what you're talking about, flipping, scaling, flipping to multiple markets wasn't right. He figured that out with his efforts trying to get into real estate in a remote market. Um, he wound up physically moving here after research mm -hmm. and doing the same marketing efforts that were working for him. Yeah. Right, dude. Uh, what a great story. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, um, I don't know if you said that while we were on the show or before, but it's just like, it's just everything fucking works. Right. I think, I think one thing that you're hitting on the, on the nail on the head is freaking comparing yourself to other people's successes and then you hear their successes and then you're like shit i should be doing mm -hmm. why didn't i do that shit or why am i not doing that right yeah you hear syndication all the time yeah right and it's like a sexy thing it's like <laughs> we're doing a syndication we just raised this <laughs> we're gonna do this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. it's like dude i'm smart enough to fucking put a syndication together <laughs> why am i not doing that you know how much money i could go raise for a great project like <laughs> why the hell are we not doing that um and you just have to catch yourself all the time, right? Just like, no, this is not who you are. They're having a win. You want to win. That's really what you're after, right? It's just winning. So you hear about a win. So you want that win. Yep. And so, Bigger than your win. Yeah, and you're just like, <laughs> well, shit, that win is bigger than our win. But if I highlight our wins, people will think our wins are bigger than the win really is. So you're just like, shit. So I think that that's very important is staying true to yourself, yeah. right? And just like, hey, this is a successful business model and this will work, but is that what I want to do? Yeah, what am it's I a really great point. Am, yeah. I, am I that guy or I'm just not that guy? And maybe they will crush it and maybe they'll be more successful than I will. But at the end of the day, I'll be more happier because I stayed true to who I was and I asked the right questions to my business partners and my team members and now all that matters is happiness as opposed to fucking revenue mm -hmm. and how many houses did you buy this year? And I feel like there's been this crazy push in social media of like success and entrepreneurship yeah, or whatever. It's huge. And for the past like five years, it's been a big thing, right? And then now everybody's like enlightenment of like, shit, we're not really that happy <laughs> after doing hundreds of deals. And it's like, what's the next thing, right? Because I feel like, Five years ago, we were trying to figure out how to do hundreds of deals a year. You get there and you're just like, okay, awesome. What's next? Right. And like, I thought it was going to be great doing a hundred deals a year. That was such a big milestone, you know, back in the day when you're getting started, you're just like, dude, we got to do a hundred deals a year. And now that doesn't even matter. Like, I don't even care about a hundred deals a year. It's like, what am I doing? That's really going to make an impact long-term. And am I really, am, am I putting my energy into something that's worth it, mm -hmm. right? I feel like that's what a lot of us are catching ourselves right now. It's just like, okay, I've done this for the past five years. I got here. 
evaluating, do I go deeper or do I pivot? And right now the market is forcing us to have these thoughts, whether they're right or wrong, it's forcing you to have those thoughts because it's like, okay, right now is the time that I have no option but to pivot. So what do I pivot to? Or do I just weather the storm and put our heads down? We keep going. We may not be as profitable as we were, but fuck it. We're just doing our same thing. And in the next, you know, six months to a year, we'll all be fine. So uh, hopefully, right? Or yeah, so all these thoughts right now. So how how do you deal with this on a daily basis? Like knowing tomorrow you have to go to the office, maybe. I don't know what your schedule looks like, but you got deals going on. You're buying houses, you got listings, you got whatever, blah, 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 blah. How do you deal with this and own a business that did 40 million in volume and the retail side, 368 homes, buying houses? Like, how do you deal with all that? I think, uh, I think it's doing a lot of work on yourself. Um, I won't, I'll give credit where credit's due is I heard Mike McCarthy say this at one of the go Bundes things, but he talked about how when he first got started in business and uh, Keller Williams brokerages and stuff, it was to prove his dad wrong, right? It was an ego thing. I'm going to prove that motherfucker wrong and I'm going to do this. And like, I'm going to show him and I'm going to show all these people. And he was talking about how that became very empty for him. And he kind of shifted to more of a position of gratitude. Um, and that's, that was cause similar path for me, dude. I get, you know, background of like, military school and merchant marine and my old man's a tough motherfucker and i come to this background of like this tough facade and i felt like i always needed to have that mm. um and always needed to be successful for my ego and to show the rest of the world that i'm successful and recently in doing a lot of writing and reading books that i would have never been caught dead reading five years ago Mm. um i've uh you know one of them is like this book i just read and i'm probably going to read it over again but it's called lovable um by kelly flanagan and it it just talks about how none of that's important and two true power strength and toughness comes from within and a certain inner peace and equanimity with what you're doing and it, it, to to the point where that you know the developer that made 20 million on that deal i'm so comfortable in my own skin and confident in myself that i'm doing exactly what i should be doing and i'm on the right path and i have my right goals cuz i've thought about it that that doesn't even it you know it doesn't go into my head anymore it bounces mm, right off right so yeah, having that equanimity to be that comfortable in your own skin that you're doing the right thing and enjoying your day to day and coming from a position of gratitude rather than a position of ego of I'm going to prove this guy wrong, or I'm going to be this big on social media. It gives you, it gives you strength that you you would have never had before. Cause if you, if you're basing your whole identity, like you said, if I'm basing my whole identity, identity, on being a tough guy, right? Yeah. There's a lot of motherfuckers out there a lot tougher than me. Oh yeah. If, if I base my identity on having money and doing a lot of flips, there's a lot of motherfuckers doing a lot more than me doing a lot crazier things. Right. But if I'm comfortable in my own skin and I know that I'm enough for like who I am because these are my goals and I spend this time with my family and this time at work and I love pouring into our leadership and our, and our, 
our team members at Yellowbird, if I'm comfortable there and I know that's right and I have that inner peace, then it makes it all worth it. Yeah. And it can make you be truer to yourself and the decisions you make and the path you go down. Cause at this point I'm not doing it for anyone else anymore. I'm not doing it to prove anyone else wrong. I'm not doing it to show I'm show I'm tough or show I can make money. I'm doing it because it's who I am. Mm. And that is, is the next level of power in my, in my, uh, in my opinion. And yeah. it's, it's, it's all working on yourself. Dude, that's, that's incredible. Huge. I want to ask, and this is on a related note, but kind of different. You mentioned a couple of times and I asked a different question about this earlier, but you said you've come to terms that flipping is not scalable or maybe not scalable for you outside of this market, right? When did you come to that finalization and how long did it take you to figure that out for yourself? Um, I probably always knew it in the back of my head because flipping is incredibly, we did, we did 418 last year. Great year. Incredibly painful, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's painful to the point where you should want to grow, right? If you're not growing, you're dying. Painful to the point where me and Kyle sat, me, Kyle and Steve sat there and it's like, man, you want to put a goal of 500 on the table for next year? <laughs> and we're all just like, fuck. <laughs> Oh, that is good. That is good. Not really. Like, I actually, sounds can good. we make Horrible. it three fifty? Like, I'd rather not. Like, yeah, it's yeah. so so to that. Like having that. Like, if you're mm. in a tech business, right, or software, it's like, yeah, we're gonna get this many users next year. Right, right, you know, right. and you're growing a tech business is exciting, but to grow in flipping is pain. Right. It's pain. It's like, how and can it's we do cyclical. less and make more? Exactly. Yes. So um, it's like, I enjoy scaling and I think we're good at scaling and I think we're good at our operation. We have incredible leadership at Yellowbird that can, that could, I, I think you could take our leadership team and put them in any business yep. and they could scale it incredibly. But um, yeah, maybe, maybe just for me, it is, but I'm, you know, you haven't seen a lot of people do it. If you want to count open door or offer pad, I guess they're, uh, like flipping at a, a, a national level, but who knows if they'll be around in the next few years. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but like actual nuts and bolts of like flipping, doing renovations locally and selling them. You just haven't seen a lot of it and you haven't seen a lot of it because it's, it's fucking painful. Yeah. I think it's a really brave comment to say that. Like, I don't think people would expect that coming out of your mouth. <laughs> it's like, you've come to terms with what you believe <laughs> yeah. to be true. Yeah. And um, you said you've always known it. But when did I've you always known it? But it's like in the back of my mind is like, I, I knew there was an end. Like I knew there was a ceiling. Yeah. Like, and I, and I, I do have a passion for scale. I have a passion for scale and, and hiring great talent and training and mentoring leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, and in my, in the back of my mind, I knew like, you guys know, Sarah, she's the, you know, yeah. our chief of staff, incredible leader. Sure. Sarah is, I've said this before. She's too good to be chief of staff of a flipping a house flipping operation she's at another level and if i'm going to continue to hire and work with talent at that level i need to change what i'm doing and mm -hmm. i know i want to be i want to be at that next level with our leadership at yellowbird and if you can only stay local and you're capped at around 400 houses or something like that like it gets old mm -hmm. and get it gets stagnant like i yeah. want i want that next opportunity of i want those next challenges <clears throat> of being able to work with a leadership team with bigger problems right that's that's huge and um i feel like i feel the same um i feel like i also haven't tapped into 
the potential of what wholesaling can be either, right? Because you said we, we do have a lot of the pros of scaling yep. as wholesaling, right? Like our- Very much so. Our balance sheet is payroll. Yep. Right? So- Mar that's Little marketing. Marketing and, and payroll. And right. you don't, and it's not day-to-day -day decisions, right? Like, right. I don't know exactly how you make your offers, but you can have salespeople making offers and you know you're not necessarily going to close on it if it doesn't sell. So yeah. like yeah. those day-to-day -day decisions take a lot of me and Kyle's time. Like it's our own equity and cash going into these houses. So <clears throat> someone needs to fucking look at yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, the funny thing about that comment right there is the bigger we get, the more concerned we are on always performing on manipulating the data and the buy box so that we close 100% of the time. It's yeah. not going to be perfect because yeah. real estate's real estate, right? So there's going to be something wrong with the house or a seller will get cold feet or whatever the case may be down the line. Market changes, interest rates go up. But, but do you need to be involved? <laughs> your, your team is smart enough to be able to work that deal and figure it out. Yes. Like you don't necessarily need to be involved. You only need to get involved. It's like, Hey, Dom, this is not going to fucking work. There's no one that's going to buy this. Do you want to close on it? That's when you have to get right. involved, right. right? And that's like everyone for us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. I can't imagine. So are you saying a buying decision? The big, the, one of the biggest challenges is the team making that decision without you on well, those scenarios? It's you want your salespeople hungry as shit and tying up everything. So I don't like blame them. I want them to yep. tie up everything, right? And yep. bring it to me. But like, I wouldn't expect them to like, our, our salespeople are awesome. And Gabe's going to tell me if it's like, oh, this is borderline or something. But really, you want that young, hungry guy that's just like, hey, shove it through. I get fucking paid on this, right? And it should be a check check and balance right. of me and Kyle being like, no, that doesn't work. And you have, we have people in place that can take, you know, Ben, phenomenal leader that can take 80% of them and make a decision. So it's that last 20%, but still right, right. like it's beyond, it's well beyond the decision-making. That's yeah, the issue. Yeah. It's the, it's and turning so, utilities so, on, mowing lawns, yeah. pissed off neighbors. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's fucking, it's brutal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can, uh, do we have five flips going on? It's a fucking shit show. <laughs> <laughs> dude, it's like, I mean, we're fortunate to have Jeff. Like yeah, Jeff well, is, dude, it's funny that you keep mentioning the fucking utilities because it's a fucking thing, dude. It's horrible. Imagine doing utilities thing. on like hundreds and hundreds Bro, of houses. It's so funny because we're buying five houses or like we have five houses right now that we're flipping. <laughs> you guys should have your offices in the JEA center. Yeah. <laughs> And um, contractor oh, calls me and he's like, yo, we're here starting the project. There's no power on on the house. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> we forgot to turn on power. Shit. And then we go to turn on power and uh, they're like, hey, there's a stop thing on the power. You can't oh, turn it on until this. Dude, it's like, fuck. And the contractor's like, I guess I got to bring my generator. We're like, fuck. And it's just power. Oh. Just turning on power is a fucking dude, shit show. Power, dude. Dude, it's so funny that you bring that up because if I hadn't mother gone into of flipping, fucking god, if I hadn't gone into flipping recently, I'd be like, bro, what's fucking complain about turning on power. Turn the power on, bro. Hey, just turn the fucking power on, bro. It's fucking easy. <laughs> it's like, bro, we got five of them, and I keep forgetting to turn on power every fucking time. And every time we go to turn on power, it's something with JEA. You can't turn it on until this, and power was on over this, so you got to pay this debt. It's like, fuck, we just want to turn on power, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, 
I know you're making a huge ass decision, like a company crippling decision. And then someone's like, we need power. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what is, what is the, uh, the shift of Yellowbird recently? So it's more brokerage. Yeah. So we've been, uh, six months ago, we were averaging 40 to 45 houses a month that we closed on and took title in. And then we were selling, you know, whatever about equal that in the back end. It was, it was a machine. Um, but you, as you guys know, you didn't have to do a ton of work. We'd do some lipstick and we'd package them up and like wall street was salivating over those portfolios and yeah. just, that just died. Um, so it's been really tough, uh, during the shift to have to say no to some of the sales guys that are awesome and bringing in deals. Like you're saying no a lot. Oh. It's, 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 it's tough for them because you were saying yes a couple months ago and, they, they get it and you, it's just, it was a shitty situation. So my focus went to let's, our sales team is our core. That's the revenue drivers. Let's keep them making money. So what can, what can we shift? What are we good at? So we already had the brokerage up and rolling. Um, so taking all the sales guys that were doing the cash buying thing, moving over to one brokerage side, creating a brokerage operation that's, that makes money. Uh, tightening up on expenses, tightening up on the operation. Um, we're lending a little more hard money and uh, we're our rental portfolio. Now we're slowly selling off just houses one off at a time. Um, but that's been pretty much it. And other than that, getting, getting more liquid. So reducing that balance sheet, being ready, um, being ready if that right opportunity comes up in the build to rent space or development space, if someone mm. can't close a deal or if they had a deal tied up and they spent a bunch of money in engineering and now the interest rates are high and the deal doesn't work anymore. So looking for those opportunities that I think yep. will be there in the next six to 12 months. So being liquid and getting into more of the brokerage business model, that doesn't require as much cash. And also, it, I mean, allows the agents to grow too, which has been awesome. Like our agents are so good at accountability and lead gen and negotiation. And this allows them to be good at listings and working with buyers and how does a listing agreement work and how do you do customer service on the sales time? So it, it allows these, our agents, which are awesome, like high a driver type personalities to now they have even more skills to yeah. where, you know, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not ignorant to think that I'm going to keep everyone forever. Right. There'll be right. people that outgrow us, people that go and do their own thing, but now they have this many more skills yeah. to go do that next thing. Like any of our agents could leave us tomorrow and make plenty of money on their own. I just, I just know they could cause they're that highly trained. They're that skilled yep. right. and this doing the retail side with them, allow them to do listings and buyers makes them at another level. Right. So um, I like doing that. I like when our agents making money and that's, that's been the shift getting liquid and getting into a business that's not as cash intensive and risk intensive. Do you guys potentially see getting into another market on the retail side? We do. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, I think we're incredibly good operationally. We have phenomenal leadership and if we can figure it out here on a, at a profitable level and we have some, some high fucking goals for the retail side. Mm. Um, and we've looked at our competition and we're sizing them up. And we were just talking today, like we've been, we haven't been in the retail space, right? We've been in the, in the cash buying space yep. for a while. So, you know, the, the people in the retail space that are killing it haven't really 
seen us yet. Oh yeah. So now we're delving into that space. And I, I honestly, I think we're going to be a force. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll figure it out. I think we'll figure it out quick. The sure. operation sales accountability <laughs> side of it, the recruitment side, we already have fucking killers in there. And I think that can be easily moved to Orlando, to Tampa, right. because it's less risk, right? You can 500 grand to get the operation up and running, get some marketing going. It's not a $10 million balance sheet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In a city that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, when you say you see your competition, um, not trying to stir any pots here. <laughs> does that mean you feel like you can easily and way outperform the way that they operate? So we're new to it, right? Okay. But you uh, didn't qualify it with that. <laughs> we're new to it. Um, I'm not going to say easily, but uh, yeah, I feel like, I feel like I can. I look at, I look at what Gabe did last year. I look at what Jana Jordan did last year. I look at what Mercedes did last year mm -hmm. on the cash buying side, which arguably more difficult than getting a listing or a buyer, right? There's a lot more, I say very, more difficult, but there's just more, a lot well, more, a lot more listings available and buyers than there are someone that's willing to sell their house at 75 cents on the dollar. I mean, I feel right? like, I feel like it is more difficult because at yeah. this point it becomes when you're buying, it's me versus you. When you're a realtor, it's me and you yeah. working together. Right. And to it's get like, the highest price for the sale. Yeah. I yeah. feel, and, and I've, in our industry, we know it's like, Hey, you go for the cash deal. And if you don't get it, then you close them with the retail. <laughs> right. So it's like the retail has been the, yeah, hey, so, if yeah. I can't get this hard one, I'm going to go for the easy one. Yeah. It may or may not be, but that's the way us investors perceive the retail side yeah. is because, hey, you don't want 50% of what your house is worth. Okay, cool. I can help you get more. Duh. That's yeah. fucking, at least it's perceived as easier. Right. Um, not saying to anybody who's watching, not saying <laughs> that the retail space is hard at all, but just <clears throat> when you go from trying to negotiate someone at 50% of what their house is worth versus now saying, Hey, your house is worth 288. I can help you get that. Totally different. It's like different conversation. Right? Mm -hmm. now you're on the same Everything team. is like so much weight off your shoulders. It's like, yeah, dude, I, I feel it. Like when I'm talking with buyers, right. Cause sometimes investors will hit us up and be like, Hey, can you sell my house? Dude? So much, so much easier. It's like, Hey man, your house is worth this. I could probably get you this and this is how much we want to do that. So much easier yeah. than like, Hey, how much can you pay for my house? Well, <laughs> I could probably based on the work that it needs, probably get you at 40% of what it's worth. <laughs> and we should end up somewhere around 60%. Right. So much easier yeah. at that point. Um, and they're good. I mean, they're good already, right? Yeah, exactly. Our agents are good already. So yeah. it's just a little shift in the pitch. So we shifted some of the marketing materials and uh, um, they've been killing it. But it's 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 watching the operation closely and making sure those numbers tick up each week and coming together as a team and being super transparent. Um, and you're going to have some rough patches, right? There's yep. some arguments and yep. there's some like disagreements on things. But um Overall, it's I, I think I think we've handled this shift well. We haven't just put our heads in the sand and be like, "Oh, it's fine. It's like COVID; it'll pick right back up." Like, let's just continue buying. Like, we're not doing that, right? Um, so, so good. for anybody watching who maybe wants to join the Yellowbird team, what does that mean? Um, are you guys looking for more agents right now? Are you not looking for more agents? Can people join the team? Sure. So our 
our goal, man, I'm putting it out there, putting it out there now and only talked about it internally, but, um, I want in my head, it's, it's 10 agents and all of those 10 agents are top agents in Florida in my, in, in my opinion. So they're on that list transaction wise of, you know, doing well over a hundred transactions a year. Mm -hmm. So, uh, absolutely. Um, we're, that's actually my rock this quarter is, is bringing two people on as agents and, uh, whether they're experienced or whether it's, you know, someone that's, you know, some of the best people come from like car dealerships or negotiating places like that, whether they're there, like absolutely um, reach out. Yeah. If, if, so any, if anyone's like interested. Dude, I've been so intrigued in this conversation. <laughs> I have totally like disregarded anybody who's watching. What's up? Let's see. Do we have a comment? Oh, we have Darren Fedick. Darren said, what's up? The man, the myth, the legend, Pat Flynn from D Dockery. Nick Alexis, what's up? Please talk about how government intervention hurts more people versus staying out of it. Yeah. Um, that's perception. <laughs> that's, that's perception. Shout out to Les, Les Bats. I, I owe you a phone call, Les. So I'll get with you here soon. So it could. I mean, government intervention hurts things or could have helped things. I mean, who knows, right? The the real estate market has taken a hit. It's another podcast. And so it hurts. But at the same time, could we have sold like I I will sell will say this, like I moved into a neighborhood in near Fort Caroline, Rojero area, in like uh Fort Caroline area. Bought my house for three thirty. I don't feel like my neighborhood is a three thirty neighborhood. <laughs> Bought that last year. <laughs> Then out of nowhere, Dom puts an offer in my neighborhood. How much did you put an offer? It was four ten or something. Four ten, like didn't get accepted because he was too low. And then I felt I like didn't wave the appraisal. Yeah, so I felt waiver. like my neighborhood was not a three thirty neighborhood. Less than a year later, he's putting an offer for four ten, and then if it would have kept going, I mean, my neighborhood in the next year would have been a six hundred thousand dollar neighborhood. If you really think about it. So who knows if it really hurt what really happened, right? Like, is it necessary? I don't know. I think it's all perception. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I do feel like is the government, you know, with the feds hiking up the interest rates, are they fucking shit up? Yes. But selfishly, I could be thinking like, hey, it's fucking up my business. It's fucking up me or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, were houses in 32208 in Jacksonville really worth 300 grand? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, is that really the case? Because if that is the case, then that means two years from now they're going to be worth 500 grand. And is the house in 08 really worth 500 grand? No fucking way. Right? So at the end of the day, it's like, what are the checks and balances and how do we have to catch ourselves? Right? Could gas have gone up to fucking $10 a gallon? Right? It's like, Hey, that's just the new norm, right? JEA power bills, like fucking 600 bucks a month. Now it's like, holy shit, we need to catch this. So who knows? I don't know, but I just always devil's advocate on mm -hmm. that, right? Like, Hey, maybe we did need some interest rates hiking a little slow down because yeah, we were freaking turning and burning 30 houses a month at top retail dollar. And it's because six months from now, they're going to be worth another 40 grand over. That's unhealthy. I think my opinion, um, the only thing I think about and that I'll add to that is, uh, and I'm not 
I'm not smart enough to talk about Fed. You know, the people that make the Fed interest rates and everything that goes on there. That's beyond me. But what I think about is, and one thing the three of us talk about a lot is the fundamental housing shortage Mm. in America. Right. So that always was my safety net. Mm-hmm. Um, and a month ago, I felt really good about that. It's like, yeah, we're buying good houses in Jacksonville. It's still an affordable city. Like, we're going to be okay, right? You're not going to have big price drops. But the more I, the more I dig in, and the more I look at what's going on, and the more I listen to people talk, um, you know, John Brooks has a bunch of good opinions on this. The price of food, the price of gas, the price of just living right now, is it is it keeping up with wages? Maybe, maybe not. But we talked about, I had a lunch today too, where we talked about this also, whereas during the last recession, people, there's a fundamental housing shortage. Yes, I get that. But what we're not thinking about is people bunking up together, right? So that person that used to live on their own, that single family house, that build to rent neighborhood that they're building in Jacksonville, where it's like, yes, there's a housing shortage, but can people afford it? Are people going to buy those houses? Are they going to move back in with their parents? Or is this kid that graduated, just graduated college going to buy a house or is he going to rent a house with four of his buddies or five of his buddies or six of his buddies? Our family's going to bunk up two to a house because they can't afford them anymore. And what happens if that happens over and over and over again? Um, Then whether there's a housing shortage or not, there is a chance of being over overbuilt. And John Brooks is going to laugh because I told him he was full of shit. A couple of weeks ago, we argued about it. <laughs> and now, like, honestly, the more I look at it and yeah. the more I like see what's going on in Phoenix, Arizona, um, and I see all the construction in Jacksonville and just wonder what the demographics are of these massive apartment buildings that are going in. It's like, are they going to be able to put asses in the seats yep. in there at good rents? Like, maybe they will. Maybe they've done their research. But I just know it is getting very expensive to live right now. When things get expensive to live, college kids live with their parents longer. Yeah. People have roommates, people bunk up together. So I don't know. Now I'm kind of more in the mindset of uh, the the government's trying to correct things. They're raising interest rates, which is the right thing to do to stop inflation and kind of correct what they did post COVID. And uh, I starting to think it'll get worse before it gets better. Um, I still think Jacksonville is a very affordable market compared to a lot of places in America. So I think we're going to be slightly sheltered here, but I think we could still feel it. So. Um, we're still, we're still buying flips and we're still, I feel it. My listing went up at 275 and it's not selling in a day. I'm (laughs) feeling it. You don't have 30 offers. I don't have 30 offers. What's going on? (laughs) Sunny venture says, what up? How about cash geek starting to sell franchise? Hey, if you want to buy one, I'm in. (laughs) How much are they? Uh, I mean, whatever Keegley's selling it for, (laughs) add a, add a zero. Real talk. Love that. Gotta say true yourself. Joe Roig. Uh, no pun intended, catch yourself being bigger fish. It's true. Um, and a yacht. We always need a yacht. <laughs> seen Craig in a while, man. I know. Denny, Denny Anderson with the classic. Dude, we had some good activity. <laughs> Damn, wow. Why does it got to be a food truck? Is it because G's Hispanic? <laughs> mm. I didn't think about that. Oh, that was the so first thing good. that came sure. to mind. You motherfucker. <laughs> I always knew this whole time. Oh, that's awesome. Share G sharing that fire. What's up, Matt? Go down more, especially oh, with the Normandy Village Utility Company. Oh, dude. 
Flipping is a whole nother animal. Yes. Uh, oh, people are commenting as we're all right. So we're never gonna finish. But dude, I just feel like I every time I talk to you, it makes a big impact on me. Whether it's lunch, whether it's breakfast, whether it's the podcast, whether it's tuning into five minutes of your Facebook mm-hmm. live whenever you're on. I just listen. I'm like, fuck, dude. Pat's Pat Pat knows that. something. Pat knows something that a lot of us lost folk don't know. And he's not telling us everything. And he's not telling us everything. <laughs> So um, I really do appreciate you being on here, being an open book. Absolutely, um, man. Yeah, well, we're really open today. Transparent yeah, as hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how it should be. Yeah. Right. Shirts almost came off. Yeah, <laughs> so um, what are you most excited about? Man, I'm most excited about the fact that we have we have such phenomenal fucking people in our office. It just I can't say that enough. We're so good at bringing on great people and creeping great talent. And everyone is so awesome in our office that I just know for a fact, we're going to come out of this stronger, but the, the uncertainty of, I don't know exactly what it is like excite, it excites me yeah. a yeah. lot. Um, I know, and we're going into the end of the year with clear focuses on exactly what, you know, me, Steve and Kyle are responsible for within, within the business. And, um, it's just I, we have so much clarity and we're we're cleaning up some stuff that should have been cleaned up a while ago. And I know we'll come out of this stronger and I'm having time to think about things that I didn't have time to think about six months ago. Yeah. So I'm <clears throat> I'm most excited about the future and that conversation we had about being true to you and, and having yeah. an impact um, and being in a scalable business that is right for you. It can actually have that impact. So there's a few ideas we're tossing around. Um, so very, very excited about the future. Awesome, man. I think on that note, it's just like, uh, the Jim Collins quote from, uh, the book, good to great. If you've read it, um, he talks about having the right people on the bus, even if you don't quite know Mm -hmm. where that bus is going. It's way more important. And we're starting to realize ourselves too, that that's way more important than the end goals. Yeah. This was cool, man. I enjoyed this show because it's not like, uh, I, I mean, I tune in a lot and it's a lot of. A lot of what you talk about is like nuts and bolts of wholesaling. What marketing things are working? What are your returns? This yep, and yep, that. Yep. We fucking talk about any of that shit. No, fuck no. This, <laughs> this went in a totally different direction. It's it's what everyone needs though. Yeah, right? it's, but it's, it's the, the interesting thing is it's tough to see like in the beginning when it's not wrong. Like when you're first getting started, I know you have a lot of people that listen that are first getting started, and it's not wrong for for your ego or something to drive you in the beginning or money to drive you in the beginning. Like that's not wrong. That's what got us uh, here. It's what gets, it's what gets yeah, you there. Gets you the, the A is what gets you started. Um, but it is cool to, it is cool to kind of, you know, have these conversations about how, you know, it's, it's kind of empty there. And it's when, when you don't have any money and you're broke or whatever, it's easy to listen to some billionaire talk about how, you know, money doesn't matter. And this right, and that. Right. Like it's like, oh, that motherfucker. But yeah, you know, that it's mother- another one of those motherfuckers. <laughs> but it's like, uh, it, it it really is. There's a lot of truth to that. So if you knew in the beginning, if you know in the beginning that that's like where it's going, and it's working on yourself personally and getting comfortable with who you are and and following your own path, um, I think that's you know a, a great advice for anyone getting started. Great advice note. for anyone at any level, dude. What's the, yeah. what's the best list to send mailers to? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, the three three steps to closing a deal. 
It's about All time. Right. To awesome. Wrap this Thank up. you guys so much for watching and tuning in. If you did not watch all of this and you tuned in, tuned in late, you're going to want to rewatch this one. We talked about a lot of deep shit right now <laughs> in this market and life and everything. Probably one of my favorite episodes. So, Pat, thank you so much for being here. Open Thanks book. for having me. It's always a pleasure having on one of our local studs. So uh, thanks again, man. Absolutely. And if you want to get more of Pat, make sure you go to the Yellowbird Connect. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Real so quick, we have uh, um, this is our this is going to be our last one for the year. Um, Connect is on Thursday this week at the beach right across from Casa Marina. Um, and the whole topic is going to be scaling a business. So you heard me talk about tonight about how flipping business, probably not the best business to scale, be digging into that and like talking about other opportunities and talking about, you know, Dom just mentioned Jim Collins. It's that's, that's what I follow too, is Jim Collins fundamentals of scaling. So it's going to be a really good, a really good talk about fundamentals and theory behind scaling and some stuff that worked really well for us at Yellowbird that I think is kind of some intangible shit that can really take you to the next level oh, as an organization. So it's not all real estate related. It's kind of small business or whatever. Awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much again. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm G. And I'm Dom. And this is the, the Cash, Cash Geeks, Geeks Network. Network. Peace. Have fun, man.